0: Welcome to Christ in Context, a podcast dedicated to seeing Christ in every context of Scripture for His exaltation in the church and proclamation to the world. This podcast is a part of the Doctrinal Discipleship Ministry and a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode twenty-two of Christ in Context. My name is Kevin, your host, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today for this uh, episode where we continue to study. Zechariah. Before we get into the text, I just wanted to throw out there that starting next week, we will be taking a short break from Zechariah and other out of context um, verses, and we are going to do a mini series on the Word of Faith movement. Why are we doing a mini series on the Word of Faith movement? Well, if you didn't know, I would consider the church that I came out of a Word of Faith church. Um, initially, I I don't think it was started that way. It was a very solid church when I was first there and first getting involved. Um, but it very, very quickly, I guess, degenerated (laughs) for lack of a better term. Uh, and so I just kind of want to share my story, share my experience and use the knowledge that I have of this particular movement and, uh, share it with you guys and give you guys tools so that you can continue to share it with other people who you might know who are a part of this movement. And so I'll explain more about that um, in the coming weeks as we are in the series um, specifically like my story, I'll have a guest on every episode and it'll be lots of fun. Um, hopefully really, really, really good content. We already pre-recorded the first episode and, um, And it was a blast. So uh, I'm really, really excited for that to launch. With that being said, um, we're getting into Zechariah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And uh, this is the eighth out of eight visions. So we accomplished something. We finished the first main chunk of Zechariah and then... Uh, as we will continue, there will be kind of an interlude in Zechariah, and then we'll get into these prophetic oracles. And the latter half of Zechariah is the stuff that I'm super excited about because it's all beautiful poems, and it's super um, messianic and eschatological, and it is just—it has so much richness and depth towards um, understanding our Messiah. So, really, really exciting stuff that will be coming up later on in the coming months. So, let's get into our text, which is uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. So, of course, I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard Bible. So, this is what it says. Now, I lifted up my eyes again and looked, and behold... Four chariots were coming forth from between the two mountains, and the mountains were bronze mountains. "'With the first chariot were red horses, and the second chariot black horses, "'with the third chariot white horses, and with the fourth chariot strong dappled horses. "'Then I spoke and said to the angel who was speaking with me, "'What are these, my lord?' "'The angel replied to me, "'These are the four spirits of heaven.' Going forth after standing before the Lord of all the earth, with one of which the black horses are going forth to the north country, and the white ones go forth after them, while the dappled ones go forth to the south country. When the strong ones went out, they were eager to go patrol the earth, and he said, Go patrol the earth. So they said, So they patrolled the earth. Then he cried out to me and spoke to me, saying, See, those who are going to the land of the north have appeased my wrath in the land of the north. All right. So, where there are a couple things going on. So, the first one that is obviously the most noticeable is that there are uh, chariots, horses, and there's this bronze mountain, or two bronze mountains. And some commentators don't really want to go any further in explaining what these bronze mountains are. Um, there's no indication about what they might represent. Uh, so they just don't go any further. They say, okay, yeah, there's bronze mountains and it's not revealed what that could mean. However, uh, John Calvin says something interesting where he basically says that the, um, bronze part about these mountains symbolizes the unchanging and immutable aspect of God's, uh, decree, God's will. So he is saying that what is happening with these chariots coming out and going out to the earth, uh, is something that cannot be stopped, it can't be quenched. It's God's sovereign will that he has declared before he even laid the foundations of the earth, which I think is pretty neat. Um, That's the only interpretation that I've heard of these bronze mountains. If you know of something else that you think is more faithful to the text, let me know, and we can talk about it. So the next uh, part in this uh, in this in this passage that should catch our attention is that there's four chariots with horses, and these horses are described in a very very similar way to horses in chapter one. And I think part of this is intentional that Zechariah is bringing everything kind of full circle, uh, and this vision is kind of being brought full circle so i don't know if how much control Zechariah has exactly but uh it's it's really neat that god is orchestrating this vision in that it it does come back full circle that the first um vision that he has is with a apple let's pull it up i just want to make sure i get the colors right it is a red horse a sorrel and a white horse so a red like a speckled and a white horse And so then in this last vision, we get introduced to a fourth color, which is a black horse. And um, these specific four colors are used in Revelation, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I want to specifically talk about what's going on in this passage, and then we'll get to where it's used later and how it's interpreted by John in Revelation. So uh, the there's not much that's said about like the significance of the colors of the horses or uh, what's the purpose of these horses going out besides um, going forth and uh, patrolling the earth. So we get the first one is red. The second is black. And I noticed this, While I was reading in verse 3, you'll see that the third chariot is white horses, and the fourth chariot is strong, dappled horses. So then in verse 4, we see that uh, Zechariah, per usual, says, I spoke to the angel who was speaking with me, What are these, my lord? The angel replies and says, These are the four spirits of heaven going forth after standing before the lord of all the earth. verse 6, With one of which, the black horses are going forth to the north country. So one spirit of heaven is going with the black horses to the north country. The white ones go forth after them. Assuming that there is another spirit of heaven going with these white horses. And then the dappled ones go forth to the south country. What happened to the red horse? And I was reading this, and I just was so confused. And I read some commentaries, and no one's talking about this. The only thing that I saw was in the commentary written by uh, Thomas Comiskey, which I've been using throughout this whole study, and I've really enjoyed it. But he says, don't worry about it it's not that big of a deal. It's just kind of an implication that if the black horse goes out to the north country and the white horse follows, then it would be implied that the as the dappled one kind of leads the way and goes forth to the south country, the red horse would follow. That makes a lot of sense. It's something that you might not even notice um, because there's so many things going on. You know, you're introduced to these horses and then there's Zechariah asks a question, the angel starts answering. So you kind of lose track of which color horse or how many horses have gone out and where they're going. And so there's so many things and we just need to slow down a little bit and look at, okay, three of them are mentioned, but there's four that are described initially, but don't let that throw you off. Don't think that the text has just totally, uh, been corrupted, or that Zechariah is just an incompetent buffoon who doesn't know how to write. No, I think he knows what he's doing, and he, his audience would have understood the implication that the Red Horse is just following with the dappled one as well. Uh, and so, the Strong Ones went out, and the Strong Ones is a synonym for the dappled ones, because earlier these dappled horses are described as uh, strong dappled horses. So when the strong ones go out, they were eager to patrol the earth. And he said, go patrol the earth. So they went and patrolled the earth. Then he, the angel that's speaking with Zechariah, cried out to Zechariah, and every commentator that I've read has found this specifically important, that instead of just speaking with him, he cries out, this, this is urgent, and uh, perhaps there's a lot of noise or something with all these horses rushing out, um, and he cries out and speaks to Zechariah and says, see, those who are going to the land of the north have appeased my wrath in the land of the north. So, what's going on is Zechariah is seeing these um, four chariots, these four different colors. And as we've already seen earlier, that um, the number four, like the four winds, um, they are all, they all, it symbolizes like the completeness, the full, like they're going everywhere. And, and it's implied that they are eager to patrol the whole earth. So they're not just going to a little bit north of where Zechariah is and a little bit south to a couple countries, but they are going to everywhere throughout the whole earth. And so the question kind of becomes, like, what is the purpose of these horses patrolling the earth? And... It's not really explained except for this last verse in in this passage, which is verse 8, that says, Then he cried out to me and spoke to me, saying, See, those who are going to the land of the north have appeased my wrath in the land of the north. And that's it. That's all that we get. So, what's implied is that these two groups, these horses... Uh, The black and the white ones go forth and they appease what seems to be, it's confusing because we can either understand this as the angel speaking or the angel speaking on behalf of God. And I'm going to say that this is the angel speaking and just delivering the words for God, where he says, see, those who are going to the land of the north have appeased my wrath. Um... It makes the most sense that it is God's wrath who needs to be appeased. And so who are these people that are north of where Zechariah is? That would be the nations who have oppressed the Jews, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, uh, partially the Persians. And so it is these two groups, the black and the white horses that are going forth, and they are what's implied is they are destroying these nations and appeasing God's wrath for destroying his own people. And so that's all that we get. And what's implied is that these uh, horses that go south also appease God's wrath. And also it's kind of implied that when they go and patrol throughout the whole earth, they are essentially destroying anyone who oppresses God's people. So, um, I want to be clear that I'm not just kind of making this up and pulling it out of thin air, and this is just kind of what I think, but this is actually, if I understand this correctly, this is how John the Apostle is interpreting these four horses, or at least in some way how he uses it. So, in Revelation, John is writing, and this whole book of Revelation is just so interesting and so intricate and absolutely phenomenal. Um, and so there's at first a bunch of letters to churches and then the rest of the book is kind of addressed to all of the churches. And so there's this picture of where John gets to see a little bit of the throne room and he sees, um, this book with seven seals, it's this, this scroll, and then he realizes that there's no one throughout the whole earth that is either above the earth, in the earth, or under the earth who is worthy enough to open this scroll, and he starts weeping, and what's implied is that it's necessary that the scroll would be opened, and. So, in his weeping, he gets confronted by someone, one of the elders, who's in heaven and says, hey, don't weep. The uh, The lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And so, there's this peace. And then he continues, John says that he saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. Now, the seven eyes and the seven horns, I think that should sound kind of familiar, at least, like the seven eyes um, should be familiar to one of our previous texts that we've already dealt with. Um, And so it goes on where everyone is, in heaven is praising the Lamb, that He is worthy to, to be praised and worthy to open the, the seals. And so, then we get this really tricky passage where there are seven seals that are opened, and there's different things that are going on. And then there's an interlude and then the seventh seal is opened. And so it's hard to tell, like, well, what's going on? Why is there a break between the first six and the seventh? And then what's going on with the seventh? Because in the seventh seal itself, there are seven trumpets. We don't have time to go through every little detail of Revelation, and I wish that we did because it is just fascinating. But The first four out of seven seals that are opened are the Four Horsemen. And a funny side note about the Four Horsemen, uh, I have a professor who has referred to me and three other friends as the Four Horsemen, and it's just a funny joke because uh, the Reformed boys at a Wesleyan University are the Four Horsemen, which is just... I think it's kind of hilarious. Anyways, so first, there is a white horse who sat. Uh, there's someone who is sat, sitting on this white horse, has a bow, and a crown is given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And at first, we think, like, oh, cool. This dude, whoever he is, he's going to win. This is awesome. Well... I don't know if that's exactly how we should understand it. Sure, he is going to win and he's going to conquer, but it might not necessarily be a positive thing because of everything else that's coming. We see the uh, red horse in the second seal who goes out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. And I'm reading this. This is Revelation chapter 6. That was just verse 4. I'll continue to verse 6, where John says that he heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures. Uh, Actually, let me back up to verse 5. When he broke the third seal... I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Now, that last bit it means virtually nothing if you don't know what a denarius is, and if you can't really picture how much a quart is. So a quart is obviously a quarter of a gallon and a denarius is a full day's wage. So imagine working your butt off all day, anywhere between eight to 12 hours, you're working your butt off and all that you get is a small little tiny, basically like if you had both of your hands cupped together, you have this much wheat and then you get 3 of that amount for barley. So there's a famine. You're not there's not much to eat. And then the fourth seal. The lamb broke the fourth seal and he heard a voice of the fourth living creature saying, "Come, I looked and behold an ashen horse." And this is the same idea of a dappled horse. It's, you know, speckled or Uh, doesn't have like a clear color um, faded or something like that. And he who sat on it had the name death and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now it's interesting about this fourth Horse, the fourth horseman, is that he's given authority to kill with the sword. And so in the second seal, we see someone who has a sword, and with famine, which is the third seal, and then pestilence. And that would be perhaps what this fourth person is. Maybe that's what the first horseman is. I'm not entirely sure. But All that to say is that these first four horsemen that come out have uh, the same horses as we see described in Zechariah. And what's confusing is that sometimes we read these passages and we think that it's consecutive, like chronologically, like this happens and then a few years later this happens and then a few years later this happens. And that's generally the way that our dispensationalist friends like to understand this. Well, I don't think that's what's going on. I think if we go to the next chapter, uh, in chapter 8, we see the seventh seal broken, and then there are seven trumpets. So, what does that mean? I think that that is implying that uh, as the Lamb, or Jesus, is opening the scroll, it's one event and so there's seven things that happen or kind of are unleashed, but they're all happening at the same time. It's all one thing. And this happens throughout all of Revelation where there's seven things described, but what they are really referring to is one thing, such as like the seven bowls that are poured out. Uh, I believe it's seven bowls. I hope I didn't just botch that. Anyways, we're not studying Revelation. I need to focus. Focus, Kevin. Focus. Okay. So, what do these horses, what does the color of these horses mean, according to John? Well, according to John, the red horse refers to slaughter, blood, murder. The black horse refers to famine, um, uh, you know, like death despair there you know there's no hope the white horse refers to conquering perhaps oppression maybe is what's going on depending on if you understand that first horse as being a good thing or a bad thing that's kind of debated Um, but this last horse the speckled dappled ashen whatever word you want to use is death um, and that's revelation 6 verse 8. So um, with that understanding we can see that there is a understanding that these horses represent at a fundamental level God's judgment. And so the question then becomes like where is Christ in the context of this? That's always the question that we're, Going to be asking, and so what we definitely see in Revelation is that Christ is the one who is sending these horses, and he is the one who is speaking to Zechariah. We can say that he is the one who's speaking to Zechariah because uh, he's the one who says, or I mean, let me back up and say that the angel who is speaking is a type of Christ. He fits the type, or a foreshadowing of Christ, because um, he says, those who are going to the land of the north have appeased my wrath, and the only one who can justly pour out his wrath or have it appeased is God himself. And so, uh, what does this passage mean? Uh, Well the as we've we've already said that these bronze mountains, it's really hard to really put a finger on like what the significance of it is other than perhaps what John Calvin says that they are uh, the strong and unmovable and unchangeable plans of God. Uh, the horses are God's judgment going forth not just to some groups of people, but to, as we see, patrolling through the whole earth, going to every person who goes against his will, goes against his people and oppresses them and are worthy of judgment. And as we know from the whole biblical story that we are all worthy of God's wrath, and we need Christ as our Savior to appease his to appease God's wrath for us on our behalf. And so, with that being said, um, there is, in one sense, a message of hope that we as God's people will be freed and uh, be able to live free from God's wrath, but also there is a kind of more sobering message that we better be on the right side of God. We need to be made right with Him, and so uh, we need to cling to Him and continue to ask that He is, you know, He would be faithful to us. Um, You know, we don't deserve salvation. It's, It's His grace. And so, of course, when we are saved, He will preserve His elect. I understand that. But there is a aspect of our own prayer life where we are diligently, uh, repenting of our sin, and diligently clinging to him and continually asking that God would, you know, be faithful. And so that, you know, that's one of the things that brings us hope is that he is faithful. So with that being said, um, I hope that this, you know, little passage of these four chariots is both sobering—that we do need our Savior—but it's also hopeful that that Christ has come to save us, that He is our Savior. So, um, until next time, uh, the the next series, just really briefly, this little mini series will be a um, word of faith. You know how to how do we understand this? How do we wrap our minds around it? What's my story with it? That will be coming up. And um, if you enjoyed this podcast, this uh, series so far in Zechariah, share it with people. The best way for this content to get out is through word of mouth. Um, I can share it on Facebook all I want. I can share it on Instagram all I want. But if you even share it with two people, that goes from 200 people listening to this regularly to 400 people listening to it. So Continue to share it and um, until next time, read your Bible, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christ in Context. If you enjoyed the episode, give us a rating and a review through Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming app you use to listen, and subscribe to be notified when new content is posted. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Christ in Context Pod and Twitter at CNC Podcast. If you have a question that you would like to hear answered on the show, reach out on social media, or email us at christincontextpod at gmail.com. We are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters and Doctrinal Discipleship. For other edifying material, check out reformpodcasts.com and Doctrinal Discipleship, either on Facebook or doctrinaldiscipleship.com.